Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog about your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and we are now firmly in the August doldrums of the offseason where things have settled down from the draft and free agency and things are a bit quiet as uh, teams rest up and, and get ready for training camp in September. So this week, I thought that I would highlight some recent articles from the canon um, as we've sort of taken a step back and and looked at some questions that we're facing coming into the season. First, I wanted to highlight Josh writing about the schedule for the upcoming season. Uh, This dropped in July, shortly before the draft, and we kind of overlooked it at the time because there was just so much else going on. But you know, he talked about uh, big games like the, uh, the two games in Finland, uh, homecoming games for guys like John Tortorella and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, what I want to talk about with the schedule, though, is uh, it's bad. I really do not like the schedule for the Blue Jackets. Um, in the entire month of March, they have just three home games. Three home games in an entire month. Uh, that's just absurd. Now, I know that Nationwide Arena is hosting uh, uh, opening weekend games for the NCAA tournament. So, you know, there's at least a week there where, you know, they have to turn over the stadium to the NCAA. So I get that. There would be maybe more road games that, that month than usual. Um, they've got their California road trip during that time. But, you know, really the other weeks, you couldn't have some more home games in there. Yeah. That's weird. And so then there's a lot more home games in the first half of the season. And, you know, this is a time where usually the attendance isn't as good. Uh, You know, fans are more focused on, uh, you know, high school football, college football. And this is not just unique to Columbus. Around the league, teams express that they prefer more home games later in the season. You know, when you get into the playoff race, that's when fans tend to be more into things, um, usually, you know, after the the new year. Um, now, on the flip side, if the Jackets can find a way to get off to a hot start like they did last year, remember last year they won 12 of their first 18 games. So, you know, if they can 
replicate that, then I think they'll get the fans on board. And we, I think we had pretty good attendance in the early part of last season. And so they can build some momentum that way, perhaps. Um, and then, you know, down the stretch, more road games, they can build themselves a bit of a cushion. Because, you know, I think it might affect what they do at the trade deadline. You know, if they are on the outside looking in, but close, but see that they've got so many road games, that might make them more willing to be sellers because they realize, like, it's going to get really hard to get back into this with so many road trips. Whereas if they've got a cushion that they build up, then, you know, maybe they can withstand being less good in the second half because of all the road games. So that is something to uh, to keep a lookout there with the schedule. Next, we have a article from Monday by Burkus Circus comparing the upcoming 2022-23 Blue Jackets to the 2019 New York Rangers. Now, why that team of all teams? Well, it's because there's this comparison that I've seen a lot of uh, people make that the Blue Jackets signing Johnny Goudreau this summer is very similar to the Rangers signing Artemi Panarin uh, in 2019. And as, as Burkus points out, um, you know, the they're similar kinds of players, especially at, at the time that the signing was made. But the Rangers at the time were not a good team. They were, by their own admission, still in the middle of a rebuild. Um, now, of course, you know, were people at the time questioning why Artemi Panarin made that signing? Where they asking, well, why New York? You know, that that's not a good team. Why are you going there? Why not a contender? You're leaving a team that just had a really good season. No, they didn't say that because they thought it was obvious why someone would want to go to New York. But, you know, really, Panarin and Goudreau made their choices for the same reason. It's a place they wanted to live. Um, people just don't think of Columbus in that way. But uh, I thought it was really interesting looking at uh, how similar the teams were at that point. The Blue Jackets had 81 points. The 2019 Rangers had 78 points. <laughs> so, you know, very, very similar there. And, um, you know, of course, those Rangers, then they were the 11th seed in the East in 2020. They were fifth in the Eastern Division in 21 in the weird season. Um, and then they made it all the way to the Eastern conference finals this season. So I think if the blue jackets made it to the Eastern conference finals in the third year of the Goudreau era, um, you know, even if that's their first time back in the playoffs, I think people would be happy with that. Now I do think the jackets can maybe be a year ahead of the Rangers because, you know, those Rangers were, it's, it, you know, First year with Panarin, they were the 11th seed in the East. The Jackets were the 10th seed in the East this year without Goudreau. You know, so could we maybe even get up a step or so higher? Possibly. So I, you know, I'm still saying that, you know, year two of Goudreau is when we'll finally break through the playoffs. Now, the Rangers added other talent in that time beyond Panarin. Uh, they added Jacob Truba on the defense. They added Adam Fox on the defense, and you know Adam Fox won a Norris Trophy. Now, do we have an Adam Fox on the roster? Is you know Zach Gorinsky that kind of player? Um, is could Adam Boquist be that kind of player, or might it be one of our first round picks this year, David Yerachek or Denton Matejchuk? Uh, maybe in a couple of years, one of those guys can break through like Fox did as still a young player. 
Now, the Rangers were also much better down the middle. You know, as part of the rebuild, they traded off guys, but they did hold on to Mika Zibanejad, and that was really important. And I don't know that we have anyone on our roster that is a Zibanejad type yet. Uh, Burkus also makes the point that, you know, they held on to Chris Kreider, and, you know, maybe Oliver Bjorkstrand was our Kreider type player that, you know, we should have held on to. But at the same time, I don't know that the Rangers had anyone as dynamic of a scorer as Patrick Liney. So that's something different in our favor. You know, and the Rangers also had lottery luck. They got to move up to number two to take Capo Caco. They got to move up to number one to take Alexi Lafreniere. Now, neither of those have really worked out in a big way. So that they haven't been a key part of, of the Rangers' success there. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe some of our draft picks, even though they're not number one or number two, could still come up like a Kent Johnson or a Kirill Marchenko. Maybe they could become impact players in a few years. Um, and then finally, I think, you know, the big part of the Rangers' success this year was Igor Shosturkin. Um, you know, can Elvis Merzlikens get to the Vezina level that Shosturkin had this year? Um, obviously, he believes so. Obviously, the Jackets hope so. I'm maybe not holding my breath on that, but certainly Elvis stepping his game up could uh, also accelerate the timeline for the Jackets. So uh, check that article out. I think it's a uh, it's a really compelling comparison between these teams. So uh, it's a sign that if we, if we can keep things moving in the right direction, that uh, our timeline here is uh, just a couple of years away. And after the break, we will talk about the rest of the teams in the Metro and what they're doing. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. So the final article that I wanted to highlight uh, was on Friday by Mr. Swift. He took a look at the rest of the Metro division. What players have teams added? Who have they lost? Who have they kept? And my big takeaway from this is uh, I don't know that the order of teams in the division has changed that much. So first, the defending champion of the division is the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think they are still the team to beat in the division. Uh, they traded away Tony D'Angelo, but they replaced him with Brent Burns. 
Now, Brent Burns is overpaid. That's a bad contract, and it was good of San Jose to get rid of it. But, you know, with some retained salary there, I think he's very, I think he's more useful to Carolina than he was to San Jose. I think he replaces Tony D'Angelo as a offense only defenseman. I think he'll help Carolina out on the power play. You know, there's still use for Brent Burns, even if he's not the great player that he once was. But the big move for the Hurricanes is getting Max Patchett ready from Vegas for literally nothing. Future considerations is all they paid. And they got a guy who has battled injuries, yes. But when he's healthy, he's still a very good forward, very good goal scorer. The Hurricanes are a great possession team. They at times struggled to finish. That was especially a problem in the playoffs. That's something that Pacioretty, I think, can help them in a big way. So I think they are still the team to beat in the division. Um, the Rangers were number two. Uh, they lost some guys like Andrew Kopp, Ryan Strom. Uh, but they added Vincent Trocek. Uh, I I think they, they paid a lot for Trocek, but I think he's a really good player. I think he is at least as good as Ryan Strom. Now, Strom had really good chemistry with Panarin which I think shows that you don't necessarily need an elite center to pair with an elite winger like that. You just need a center who is the right fit. Um, Strom was that. Can Trocek be that? I don't know. But I think Trocek is a better player. Uh, again, a long deal for him, but still I think that's a good add. So I think the Rangers should still be good. Now they were a team that uh, got carried for a long time by their goaltending. Their five-on-five five possession numbers were not great. Their expected goal numbers were not great. Uh, but they did get better as the year went on, and they were better in the playoffs. So I think if they can carry that over into the regular season, they will continue to be a threat. Uh, and they've got a great coach in Gerard Gallant, um, and that matters too. And that, you know, comparing the Rangers to the Jackets, you know, getting rid of David Quinn was a move they had to make to take a step. Will the Jackets have to make that choice at some point? Will Larson be something holding them back? And that's something to to look out for. Next up is the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have been very active this offseason. It was expected that they were probably going to lose some you know, key pieces of their core, guys that have been around for a long time and for a lot of their success. But they managed to re-sign both Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. So they're, they're keeping the band together there. Um, now, they did have to make some changes on their blue line. They traded away both John Marino and Mike Matheson. Both, you know, solid Blue liners. Uh, I was really surprised they got rid of them. They got Jeff Petrie from Montreal. They got Ty Smith from New Jersey. Uh, they signed uh, Jan Bruda in free agency. So that, I think those were some some savvy moves to at least stay the same. But you know, is it enough for them to keep the status quo? I, I don't think so. Um, I think they are still a good team. I think they're still a playoff team. I think they are still a tier below the Hurricanes or certainly uh, the Lightning, or, or teams like that. Then you have the Washington Capitals, who were last team in the playoffs from the Metro. Uh, they got, you know, at some point they're going to be too old. Father Time's going to catch up to them. I think this might be the season. It looks like Nicholas Backstrom is out long-term. His career could be over. Their goaltending wasn't great, so they actually got rid of both goalies, Samsonov and Vanacek. They signed Darcy Kemper, who's coming off winning a cup, but he was not great for the Avalanche. He was good, but not great. 
Um, is he enough to carry this Capitals team? I don't know. Um, they signed Dylan Strom on a one-year cheap show-me deal. That was actually a really good deal. I'm surprised there was not more interest in Strom. But I think this might finally be the year the Capitals fall off. Now, I've been saying this for a few years now, but this might finally be that year. Now, for teams that were out of the playoffs, the Islanders were just ahead of the Blue Jackets. They have really done nothing. Um, the big move so far is, is they traded for Alexander Romanov, uh, who they still need to then re-sign. Now, there's been some rumors recently that they might be in on Nazem Kadri. That is uh, interesting. Um, certainly, that would help them a lot. But it doesn't solve the big problem for the Islanders for me, which is they are old. They are an old team, and they're not getting any younger. And Kadri doesn't doesn't fix that. Uh, I also feel like I don't know where the offense is coming from. He helps that as well, so he gives them a good one-two punch at center with Matt Barzell. You still have uh, Pajot in there at center as well, but I don't know. I don't love their wings. I don't love their defense. Um, their goaltending's fine. You know, if they still had Barry Trotz, then you couldn't count him out because Barry Trotz is a really, really good coach. But they fired him, and they promoted Lane Lambert. Now, he's been a right-hand man for Trotz, so, you know, much like the Jackets promoting Larson, it's like, oh, let's keep the same system, but just have a coach who is easier to work with that the players like more. But he's still an unproven commodity, so I don't know that the Islanders, Islanders can just automatically bounce back to where they were before. I think last year, you know, they can discount it because they had a big, you know, bunch of COVID cases at one point because they had a really long road trip to start the season because their stadium wasn't ready. But, uh, man, I, I think the season really revealed some some flaws there that aren't that can't just be patched over. So I don't know that they're a playoff team this year. I think they are still in a group of teams that will be fighting for the playoffs that I think the Jackets are in as well, that the Capitals are in as well, the Bruins, teams like that. Another team looking to take a step up are the Devils. So they added Vitek Manacek to be in a tandem with Mackenzie Blackwood. Blackwood was really bad last year. He might be better just for regression to the mean. Um, but I still don't have a lot of confidence in that goaltending. Um, and they had good underlying numbers last year. They just had really bad goaltending. Is that going to get better this year? Uh, I don't know. They added John Marino on the back end. I, I like that addition for them because their defense isn't very good. Simone Nemich, who they drafted at number two, he might be able to play this year. That could be a good addition. Yeah, they have good centers, Hughes and Nico Heischer, but I don't like what they have on the wing. I don't know where their dynamic scoring threats are coming from. They added Andre Palat, who has been a sneakily good player for the Lightning for a long time, especially in the playoffs. But, you know, will he thrive as much in a new environment? You know, are they expecting him to be a you know, top-line winger for them? You know, on the Lightning, I think he could thrive because other players were drawing the attention of the other team. But if he's a feature... In New Jersey, I think things might not go quite as well for them. Um, but I think they should be better. I think they'll hang around. And then finally, that leaves the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we touched on them a little bit last week. Oof. 
they have not made good moves recently. I, yeah, I think this is a bad, bad team. A lot of people are saying that, oh, well, they got John Tortorella, so that'll keep them competitive. I, and I like Torts, and I think he's a good coach, and I think he can make them better than they were, but he's not a miracle worker. You know, if you want to talk about the impact that Torts had on the Jackets, I think you also have to look at the fact that under him, the Jackets also added a lot of talent. And, you know, if you look at the, the change from 2016 to 2017, um, now Torts did coach most of the 2016 season, but, you know, he didn't go through training camp with the team. They started in a hole that he just couldn't get them out of. There are just things wrong with that team. Um, but they finished with 76 points. If you look at just the games with Torts, the 75 games with Torts, they're more of like an 81-point pace team. And then in 2017, they had 108 points. So you're looking at like a 27-point upgrade from Torts. So even if you apply that to the Flyers, that gets them up to like 88 points. Still not enough to, that's still at least 10 points out of the playoffs this year, I think. So, and again, I wouldn't say that Torts was responsible for all of that 27 points. I think you have to credit adding Zach Wierenski and for getting a full season of Seth Jones, full-time Josh Anderson, things like that. And I don't know that the Flyers are adding anything like that, you know, Sure, they can get maybe a healthy Sean Couturier, who's really, really good. That helps them. Ryan Ellis, maybe, but that's still a big question mark whether he can be healthy. But I don't really love any of their young players. You know, Carter Hart, I think they're expecting him to be a lot better than maybe he really can be. So I think the Flyers are still clearly going to be the basement of the division this year. So, um, but I think on the whole... The Metro was already a really tough division, and I think it only got more difficult this year. I think you look at most of the teams and say, yeah, they got better, or yeah, they made moves that made sense. So in, in talking about the Jackets' fortunes, like I've said before, the Jackets could be better this coming season, but their record might not be any better. It might not reflect that just because of how much harder the schedule is. And again, with all those road games in the back half with all those back-to-backs. So I would say don't focus so much on the record this season. Look more at how they're playing or look at how individual players are doing. That might be more revealing as to what trajectory this team is on. All right, so that'll do it for us this week. Again, I will post links in the description to all those articles. I suggest you read them all in full at jacketscanon.com. You know, if you have any thoughts on them, go ahead and, you know, make an account. If you don't have one already, join us in the comments, share your thoughts. We're always happy to hear new voices there. Get your perspective on that. Also stay tuned to the site this week because we will be starting our top 25 under 25 countdown. Uh, we had the ballot for that posted last week and a bunch of you voted, which we really appreciate. So it'll be fun to spend August then going through, uh, you know, a list of the best prospects and young players that we've got. Um, to again, look at what's coming to this team over the next few years. Um, there's honestly a lot of really exciting players there. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of in the coming years. So, all right. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. 
You can also follow The Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates. <laughs>